Hello and welcome to Imp's WWE Adventures podcast on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. You can help the network out by leaving us a five-star review. You can also give a donation directly through Red Circle and become one of the amazing community by joining the Social Suplex Discord. Link is in the description. Listen to the other top-notch shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network, One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, All Things Elite, Wrestling Art with Chris Things, with Chris Things, Trish and Sarah, and Tunnel Talk. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and this is your quick look back at the WWE week that was. 30 minutes. After that, it'll cost you extra, big boy. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know what I'm thinking about when I script those. <laughs> and to swiftly uh, shift gears, just quickly, just before we jump in, there's been multiple extra allegations thrown about in the aftermath of the Vince lawsuit. I personally think it would be dishonest to just bang on with a weekly review without bringing attention to the whacking great cloud overhead. So I feel like just to keep a little weekly rundown of the things that have happened. I'm not going to read any articles this week, but Jackie Gader is a potential other name that didn't accept Vince's advances and had her career take a hit. Apparently it was known for Vince to be seen kissing slash trying to kiss the divas. An ECW star fan scene saying she was told to oil up her boobs to get Vince's attention. Like, that's a massive example. Like, this isn't just Vince. This is a culture a culture that has existed at the very top of this company and has been left largely unchecked until now. Yeah, so I feel like it's just dishonest to not talk about it because I'm a weekly WWE review and this great cloud is still there. So to just bang on excitedly about the shows without first addressing the cloud feels incredibly dishonest because it's there, you can all see it. Anyway, uh, let's move on. I'm going to be a happy show after this, talking about uh, SmackDown, Raw and NXT. As we build up to Elimination Chamber in Australia, Mike, swiftly move on to Friday Night SmackDown. I've realised that me doing the grovelly voice was a Vince thing, so I now suddenly need to come up with a new way to do my transitions. I can't do my... Because <laughs> that's a Vince thing. Uh, slash Richard Nixon. <laughs> so I need to come up with a new one. So let's go the complete opposite direction of gravelly. Let's go, I don't know, Mario... It's a Smackdown! <laughs> I felt offensive. Smackdown, yeah! Let's go to your kids' TV show, let's do it. Let's go to Smackdown, guys, yeah! Smackdown! One day after the Las Vegas WrestleMania kickoff event, last week I wasn't able to talk about that because I had to record on the Wednesday. Kicking off the show this SmackDown with three suits, Triple H as an on-screen presence once again with both Paul and Chief Content Officer in his title, telling Dwayne what's what, setting up tensions with Rocky's board position clashing with Trips' CCO powers. Pacemaker Trips can't wrestle though, so... Who knows where this on-screen babble is leading? We're not getting Triple H versus The Rock. <laughs> so where is this going? Unless we get a proxy match, which, you know, again, why are you building to that? <laughs> you can just do something else. You don't have to do that. Roman versus Cody made official. Aldis and Pierce both in the ring to announce the Elimination Chamber 12 people. Six matches over three shows to determine the lineup for Perth. And we got our first two qualifying matches on this show. There's also the women's side, which didn't get the fancy graphic, but, you know, it's still being built to. And the first one of those matches was the for the Elimination Chamber qualifying stuff was Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles. Old AJ Styles out here wrestling at half the age of a presidential candidate. Oh, he's old. He's so old. He doesn't need to be wrestling in an Elimination Chamber match. Just let him enjoy his wrestling life. Just let him have a lovely time with his adult kids <laughs> and his wife. It's a lovely time. Kicking off the qualifiers with the two veterans giving us a decent little teddy banger. Drew using the LA Knight and AJ Styles petty behaviour to snatch the win because LA Knight was on commentary 
and of course that all fed into each other, which I thought was going to set up AJ Styles interfering with LA Knight's qualifier over Monday Night Raw. Instead, LA Knight just qualifies. Spoilers. <laughs> he, just qual- he just won. I was like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. Uh, that was not setting up what I thought it was going to. The other Elimination Chamber qualifier was Sami Zayn versus Vandy Orton. And my, Vandy Pandy's back really isn't in the best of shapes right now. Sami continuing his streak of main event showcases as well. But in spite of that, Orton hit a lovely RKO out of nowhere to qualify for Perth. The story of Sami Zayn getting these big moments and losing all of them. It's kind of continuing as he's having the WrestleMania of his WrestleMania slipping away. They've done this story before with like other people. It's a really good way to get you invested in that character. It's really make you want to see them succeed. And other times, they're just having MVP lose because he's a loser. <laughs> Apparently, that's the story now. Okay. That kind of sucks. The Elimination Chamber is getting the lineup slowly put together to feel like a big deal. It's interesting just because there is no The Rock, Roman Reigns. They're not doing, not building to the biggest show. There's going to be no Seth Rollins. So neither of the men's world champions are going to be there. There's Rhea Ripley. So she's going to be there in a big capacity for the Australian crowd. For some reason, they've not booked Jonah. <laughs> why have not booked Bronson Reed? <laughs> Another, that is very straight. <laughs> Don't know why you've done that. But and I, overall, the Elimination Chamber matches are the main draw for the card. The guy who will be there is Cody Rhodes. Apparently, he's been taking part in a... I can't remember if it's Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes. Maybe I've made it up. But Grayson Waller, he's the other Australian, who he, who he is going to be on the show. And he is going to be doing a chat show hosty thing with Cody Rhodes. Do you use this to set up a The Rock and Roman Reigns tag match? Like, Roman Reigns was not known to not be on the card months ago. So it's... <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. The thing that confuses me is building up the Triple H versus the Rock stuff. Just because having a little bit of our powers fighting against each other. We've got the board member versus the creative guy. Uh, the evil power of the Rock versus the creative mind that we're all behind and cheer because the show's good now. Like, hooray in Triple H. It's weird because you can't do the match. So what are you building to? <laughs> Other than you're just building... It's another thing to further build the animosity between the bloodline versus everybody else. And it kind of sides Triple H as a of the everybody else side he doesn't need to hit a pedigree or anything as long as the rock gets his comeuppance it can work anyway moving on to the rest of the show pretty deadly with a stupid little skit promising revenge on pete dunay but the lad's busy tonight with his tag team championship number one contenders match we had a doi versus pete dunn and tyler bate to sign a number one contender pete dunn and tyler bate winning poor diy but they gave him time just to have a fun fun little exciting match nothing crazy but it did quite a lot just to give some time to these two to try and get them over triple h has dedicated quite a bit of time to these two teams like it's one of those things where i was talking about bronson reed last year where they come out to as women would call it seth rollins no pop <laughs> then during the matches they start to get their names chanted and the, and the fans start to really get into the match and chanting their names they get really invested it's one where both acts are able to win the audience over but for some reason when you go to the next town no pop <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> you would think the crowd would have a memory that they watched them less ta- last time and had a really good match no nothing <laughs> absolutely nothing this is kind of what i talk about where there's uh, very different goals and objectives with wwe and AEW. if you do that in AEW, that team is over for the next week you do it in wwe evidently come to the next town and it's seth on his no pop <laughs> it's it's so strange yeah i don't understand it did you not do you not watch the product <laughs> what's going on who are you dwayne johnson <laughs> do you not watch what's going on the other elimination chamber qualifier was bianca belair versus mia yim yim continuing to impress in her competitive losses it's a shame that she's you know they're all losses a belair qualifying for perth one step closer to however she gets to her jade cargill mania showcase uh, speaking of the women bailey also addressed the aftermath of her excellent segment last week 
Bailey, after branching off from damage control, gets a little help from Dakota Kai, the Kiwi seemingly siding with our Rumble winner for Mania Road, but doing it in a suspicious way, proving her loyalty to Bailey by swinging the chair to scare away Io and friends. They purposely made it suspicious when she came in, so you as the audience member watching the segment didn't know what Dakota was doing, or that you with Bailey were reading it as, no, but you are with them though. And then in terms of swinging the chair, it was all in a statement they had her stand behind her, like she's going to smack her with the chair, like, okay, here we go. And instead she fights off Io, Asuka and Kyrie. My thought on the angle is it purposely set up to make you think that she's going to turn. Oh, she's not going to. I kind of expect Kosuke to do the turn. In my head, this was done well enough where it felt orchestrated enough. Maybe it was made in the execution. It's sometimes in WWE, everything, things just feel so staged that it feels a bit fake sometimes. But you can use that against us, though. If you stage something purposefully to make you go, oh, that felt a bit staged. Yeah, you can use that feeling on purpose to then use that next part of the narrative. It's clever. I say clever. Basic TV stuff, we just haven't seen it in WWE or seen WWE be at any point where they could possibly be a strong enough narrative footing to do such a thing. But in the Triple H era, they spent a, the whole of the last year, year for me was getting the footing right, just making the show grounded, building that foundation, just making a much more solid foundation. When Triple H took over, them, it was, there were cracks everywhere, and he spent a fair bit of time just solidifying the structure. Now, you can do shit like I was just talking about, <laughs> where you can use purposeful narrative things that you've used, techniques and things that you've used before, and use them against us. Be smart with your production, because <laughs> you've got a solid enough footing underneath you. Anyway, that was Smackdown. It was a good show, just not really a massive lot to talk about. Uh, next week could be different, because I've got The Rock and Roman Reigns on the show. <laughs> but it was a genuinely strong Smackdown, which did a really good number, I think because of the Las Vegas stuff, because of the stuff with The Rock and uh, Cody and Roman. The Road First on Main is building up a lot of interest. They've done a really good job. Uh, well, obviously, I'll talk about this next from Monday Raw. But they've done a really good job at heating up Cody Rhodes for WrestleMania. Because there's that question of, can they convince the crowd to get white hot behind Cody for a second year in a row? The answer's yes. <laughs> sure. They somehow managed to heat him up by making a huge booking mistake first, but that has then meant the crowd are so massively behind Cody. They've nailed it. They've absolutely nailed it. Just, you know, don't have Seth turn on him, please. And don't have a, another <laughs> one of the Samoan family turn up. Don't have it be like, oh, if you looked at the tree, you would have actually seen that who the next person to join the bloodline was going to be. So they were, their name was there on the thing. Like, no, no. Just end it. <laughs> you can even use this to set up Rock versus Roman with this falling apart. And them two falling out over what happens at WrestleMania with it, with the whole empire crumbling around them. Don't go after the next record. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> you can move on. And anyway, speaking of moving on, let's move on to Raw Live from Lexington, Kim Tucker. My God, Cody Rose is incredibly over. In his promo, not really saying a lot. But transitioning over our characters nicely into all of their roles for the WrestleMania stage, setting up the promise of a receipt slap from Cody to Rock as well, not just defeating Roman Reigns and finishing his story, but he's also going to slap the Rock. Uh, Seth Rollins out for a chinwag. Our Sethy boy all fired up tonight. A great promo from Rollins. 
I feel like I said this like with his punk stuff as well, or his initial Cody thing, where yeah, I, I much prefer serious Seth Rollins like we've got here. I'm not a massive fan of the over-the-top, vibrant character Seth Rollins, mostly because I struggle to define it. <laughs> I struggle to define that side, but this serious champion, I can see all of his motivations, uh, and when he says a thing as a character, I understand why he's saying it. The serious side of Seth Rollins really works for me. And this is one of his great promos, like I was saying. I felt, I've said before, like, oh, this has this been his best promo since he's been champion. And then I feel like this is his best promo now since he's been champion. Been on a roll around this Rumble season. And Seth Rollins is saying that he feels somewhat responsible for the man Roman has become as a former Shield member alongside him. He's uniquely set up to be Cody's Shield. We're so well put together. And it really feeds off of the passive Roman Reigns. As somebody pointed out on Twitter, Roman Reigns is shouting at Seth Rollins that this is your fault. You created this as he hit him with the chair all the way back at their Royal Rumble match. Yeah, to bring that up and just have it still be relevant all this time later. Seth also saying he's sick and tired of the entitled and selfish swinging their big dicks like they have all the power. I may have paraphrased him, <laughs> but that, that's the gist of what he was saying. I think he did a really good job to set up the potential Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins team up to face The Rock and Roman. Maybe the main event of night one, and which sparks up another debate. Do you have Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins main event over some of the other talent that are building their own stories really well? One argument has been for Damage Control, and surprisingly Damage Control did a really good number this Friday Night Smackdown. I say surprisingly just because the angles, they're not the main focus of the show. When you watch SmackDown, the main focus of the show is all to do with Roman Reigns, The Rock and Co- Cody Rhodes. It's all to do with that stuff. So with the show constantly telling you this is the big reason to tune in, normally the numbers would correlate that. However, Bailey and Damage Control are just telling a good story. And evidently, you look at the numbers for where people are sticking around on the show. Their segments are doing really good numbers. It's two weeks in a row now. <laughs> those segments have hit home. And the people have stayed for those segments. Uh, so that then spots the question of... What defines your most over story when evidently that is an incredibly over story? Does the Rock Roman Cody thing supersede an incredibly over story with Bailey and EO? Like, who's your main event night one? Personally, for me, I think with what story WWE are trying to tell over this weekend, this many weekends specifically, it has to be Rock and Roman, Cody and Seth. It's not not because of like any of the numbers to do with what they're like, who deserves it, and which segments are they're doing really well. Then they've done all this amazing work over the past couple of years, so they really deserve that main event slot. That I, I totally agree with it, but they seem to, they're telling a very specific story over the course of this WrestleMania weekend. In my head, the story works best with the Cody and Roman main eventing both nights. For me, that's where it where it works the strongest. That's my take. Would I like to see the women main event? Yeah, absolutely. But in terms of what WWE are telling you to be invested in on their show, actually watching their show, what is the main things to be focused on and what sh- what, sh- what are they telling us our attention should be most on? It's, yeah, Rock Roman, Cody, Seth. And for me, that just screams, or if they're doing a tag match, that'll be main event and night one. Because of things like that. Because of the main story they're telling with Cody and Roman. The, the bloodline are the focus of WrestleMania. And for me to hammer that point home, they will have them be the main event focus. Unfortunate for everybody else, <laughs> it means that both main event nights are taken up by the bloodline again. Uh, except for this time, it's gonna, two of them are going to be the same people. But yeah, it's a fantastic promo from Seth Rollins. We're doing some really strong work as champion since getting injured. It would have been nice if it was, he was, had this kind of character presentation and material before he got injured. But since he got injured, he's been on fire. It's only going to work really well as he gets to WrestleMania. Especially as like people like Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn have got really strong characters. 
Seth Rollins getting injured has arguably been the greatest thing for the World Heavyweight Championship scene. Suddenly you've got loads of other characters getting more time to establish themselves and get way more over. Like Drew and Sammy are super interesting characters right now. That that works so much better for whatever they're going to do at WrestleMania. Don't know if it's just going to be a standard Seth versus Drew. The only problem with that is that Drew lost to Seth twice pretty recently. Sammy's completely fresh. They somewhat kept them slightly separately. But they're telling the story of Sami Zayn losing those at the moment, so I don't know where their road is for Sami Zayn. And uh, if he's not in the Elimination Chamber, because so there is the men's and the women's are both having a last chance battle royal. So either that's where Sami Zayn gets in, or Sami Zayn loses again. And for me, if he loses again, then it's like, okay, in my head it's Seth, Drew, Sami. Makes the most sense to me. I'll get to why in a second. Actually, I'm jumping the gun. I'm jumping ahead. Jumping ahead. Let's go through the rest of Raw in order. New Day and Jay Uso versus Imperium. Uh, New Day, yeet. Uh, Jay and Gunter building after last night's beginning. And last night, last week's beginning. An awesome slap from Jay angering the Forever Champion. A massive three-man Wandy igniting at the end. Uh, Woods and Kofi flying to ground Paul Ludwig and an Uso splash for the win. Is he still called Fabian Knight? No, he's called Giovanni... Vinci. <laughs> Me just scrambling my brain is like, oh, what name would would Vince have given to an Italian man? Oh, no, Da Vinci. <laughs> there we go, I got it. That's how I got my logic to it. This match went way longer than I was expecting, but it's a fun way to open the show. It's rare to see WWE open a show like this. Also, this leads me quite nicely into the new in production stuff this week for Raw, as we've got another list of stuff uh, to add onto our list from last week. Talking of the new day with Jay Uso versus the Imperium match, we got a Jay Uso tag partner cam. Like, a lot of the new stuff seems to be tried out in stuff things that involve Imperium. Like I've talked about this in production and the different shots, like just having the ring and the wrestler not be the centre of the shot, but instead having to the left, they can really emphasise the size of the crowd. That's a technique that New Japan Pro Wrestling use really well. Possibly, there have been loads of people taking notes for how wrestling has improved and how other companies were shooting it. And finally, now the done is dead, they're able to actually implement some of this stuff. Also, uh, the barricade screen's darker during matches, as it's just black with the Raw and WWE logos on it now. Makes the shot less busy for the camera, which is always good. Did not agree with more lights, more lights, everything. Get lights everywhere. Lights on the floor, lights on the walls, lights on the banners going all the way around. And they're all moving. They're all going around in like a circle thing. They've all got the different motions. Then you've got the banners instead of on the barricade now. So you've got more lights there. You've got lights on the front of the ring also doing their own movements or digital things. Like, no, like you can have these lights all the way around. Especially, and you can have like, you can use them for advertising spots as well. That's the one thing I agree with Nick Khan with in terms of what he's done for the, the advertising stuff, the way they're stripping it in. That is a good idea. Getting those banners there, making them naturally feel like they should exist, where you got the logos of different characters and their colours coming out. You've got the colour of the show uh, at times as well. Then you can also use them as a big advertising spot. However, they need to be designed to be not busy. So they can, you can still read what the advertisement says. But don't have what happened with Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio where WrestleMania last year, where the colours are just way too vibrant, way too distracting. Vibrant purples and greens or the neon stuff with the LA Knight, Bray Wyatt match. So that was just way too vibrant. Just, if you're going to have advertising everywhere, you either have to be choosy if you're going to be that strong with the colours. You have to pick them smartly or you just have them be more subtle like we got here with the Raw WWE stuff. And hey, if you condition the crowd to expect it to look like they're here with the Raw and WWE logos on there, just a lot more subtle, that means when you bring in an outside advertiser and it's the same as you advertise your own show, yeah, it just works so much better. <laughs> it's so much less vibrant and distracting. 
So if this is something to go forwards, I'll see what it's like at Elimination Chamber. Uh, so if it's like this, then that was a, yeah, a huge, huge bonus because they can do the thing that Khan wants to do whilst also having it not be too distracting. So now cue the bright orange Cheetos logo. <laughs> get, get ready for it. The same goes for the banners around the arena. They were also black with the Raw and WWE logos on them instead of being a moving, flashing, zipping Raw logo with, back, with stuff in the backgrounds. It's just so much better. Also, just look at how they filmed the arena for Cody's entrance. Like, once he's in the ring, how every shot is slightly to the left to help emphasize the crowd and edit nicely together with that wide shot of the ring and the wrestlemania bell like it gongs now <laughs> but in terms of like where your eye tracks whilst you're watching the transitions between different shots you've got that where you've got cody on the bottom left of the screen and you've got the wrestlemania logo like yes your eye drifts to the wrestlemania logo but it starts at the left meaning when you transition to the next shot and cody is slightly to the left it's where your eyes naturally goes, just because of where he, the ring was positioned on that main previous like, establishing shot of him looking at the WrestleMania bell. Yeah, it's, it's just shooting the show, having clearly thought about it. That's the type. That's the other thing as well. I didn't get the impression from the Kevin Dunn era, where things like this, where it wasn't just does it look nice or can we get the production to look nice and shiny and professional, or or feel move like a movie or feel cinematic. This was genuinely and clearly thinking about how all of these different shots fit together and where does your eye line track when you are then watching them because sometimes it can feel jarring if you're if the person's on the bottom left and he cuts to the next shot and he's just in the middle or he's on the right or whatever like it, it's thinking about these things it's production that knows what it's doing <laughs> that's my main point <laughs> it knows what it's doing purposefully every shot of cody during his entrance slightly to the left for all I know, they did that last week and I didn't notice, but the, the Dunn is dead, rejoice. <laughs> he gets stuff like this now. The Elimination Chamber qualifies for Raw, a Bobbily Lashes versus Jonah Bronson Reed. Big Bronson Reed, with his amazing titantron of him being a kaiju, smashing all the giant buildings. So much better than like a big being there on his... <laughs> on the VR stuff or something. Um, yeah, beef. Our big beefy boys bash between Bobby and Bronson. Tsunami misses, spear hits, Lashes qualifies. Um, in a bit of su surprise, because in my head, Bobby Lashley gets cost everything by Karrion Cross, And Bronson is Australian, so <laughs> why would you not just have him be in the match? Bobby's not going to win anyway. Just put Bronson in. But no, Bo uh, Bobby Lashley qualifies. I'm just expecting Karrion Cross to attack him. All because the angle just doesn't have any heat and kind of died at death when it had its spot in the Royal Rumble. Maybe just kill it. <laughs> like it's not worked. Or after WrestleMania, we just heat it underneath and after WrestleMania do something. Like Cross versus Bobby Lashley feels like no heat. It feels like a, a nothing bout. Maybe they can heat it up. Maybe the idea is to use Elimination Chamber to do it. I don't know. It's, it's currently a dud. <laughs> uh, LA Knight versus Ivar. Uh, Moonsault, Mist, and Blumpfuss Trauma. BF uh, Buffs. <laughs> I was wondering how I'd written that. BFTs. I put extra, letter, I put extra consonants in there. Buffs, Knight into the win. I talked about that this earlier. It was a little bit of a surprise because I just assumed AJ Styles was going to cost him, even though it was Ivar. I was like, well, in the Elimination Chamber, you can give a spot to someone like Ivar, just have a nice little impressive moonsault, and then off he pisses. But no, no, LA Knight gets his big moment on the big stage in Australia as well. They're making sure to get him on every show, and they're holding off AJ Styles versus LA Knight. So he tells me this could be their WrestleMania match, unless they're going to blow it off at the Elimination Chamber to have them go to bigger things. Because I previously thought LA Knight would be facing Logan Paul. Now I have no idea. Liv Morgan versus Zoe Stark was the women's elimination chamber qualifier on this show. 
not really given loads of time, but they had a hard-hitting affair, like hard, much harder than expected, I would say. Really won the crowd over after they were given the momentum lull part of the show. You can sense it during the crowd as you're watching it, where they're just a bit tired, they're just a bit dead. But the match was good enough where over the course of it they got them more and more invested. Uh, speaking of, like, the final rhythm of it, Stark missing the corkscrew, Liv with the codebreaker, then Oblivion for the win. Letting these qualifying matches be competitive like this was a really good call. It's the same on SmackDown with Belair and Yim, here with uh, Liv and Zoe Sark. Like, it was a really good call just to let them be competitive rather than relatively run-of-the-mill. Like, they really do want these spots in this chamber. And the main event was Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura. The main thing I just want to address is Sami continuing his main event streak. What's this? Three? Three in a row? Or was it more than that? Because it was Monday, I, thought he, I thought he main event Raw last week, he main event SmackDown, and he main event Raw again. I doubt he's main event SmackDown <laughs> this week, so I'm assuming this is it dead. But I wonder why that keeps happening. Why Sami Zayn, even though he, he's losing every one of these main events, but he's main eventing every single, like three shows in a row. Like, I'm sure there's no big reason for that. <laughs> My, my assumption is it's building up that kind of sympathy for Sami Zayn to either lose the last chance or to be the guy who only just got into the chamber and then he can surprisingly win it. He's had to set up your triple threat at WrestleMania or he loses it and he has to scrounge his way still again to get into... Uh, uh, me massively assuming that everything I'd be setting up on Raw was to have Sami Zayn and Drew McIntyre be in the same match and because of Steampunk's injury, that match can now involve Seth Rollins. Anyway, and that brings me to the end of my like, Raw side. Finally, let's talk about NXT. I don't know how to say NXT in a non-Vince way. I need to come up with one. It's NXT, guys. Yeah, Kiss TV show again. It's NXT, guys. Yeah, NXT. In perfect position. Stacks is right. Breaker looking for the And your new NXT Tag Team Champions, the Wolf Dogs, defeating the D'Angelo family in the main event. The Dusty Cup winners barking up the champion's tree and shaking loose a bit of gold. And the big powerful doggos looking on top until Big Banter Corpse charged in with the ring, sorry, charged into the ring steps, allowing the family to bomb Breaker through the announce table. <laughs> bomb Breaker? Why has he got a move called, why has he not got a power one called Bomb Breaker? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so surely, surely he's right there. Uh, Baron caught in a two-on-one scenario after that, but Stax sucks and <laughs> gets caught in the end of days. Uh, come on, Lonzo, mate. Uh, Tony now in the two-on-one, so out he goes, and an awesome spear from Von Baker for the win. Suddenly, uh, Baron Corbin and Von Baker are your NXT Tag Team Champions, and it's, a, it's just nice to see <laughs> that they've gone with this silly Tag Team uh, title thing, and they've just let them kind of be jokey backstage to try and, let you win, to get, try and have you win them over. Uh, it's interesting they've done it with Baron Corbin. <laughs> and it's more interesting that it's worked. <laughs> They're over. The Wolf Dogs are over with the crowds. Obviously, it's with a WWE audience that are accepting of the product and are very enjoying pretty much anything that the company's serving up at the moment. My point being that you can't do this with a crowd that's a bit dissatisfied like it was under the Vince era. But under this era... They're eating everything, the whole plate. <laughs> so you can, you can try something like this, have it a bit, be a bit more fun. And NXT's got a kind of history of just having a fun tag team, get over and have a just nice little joyous time before they piss off to the main roster or whatever. Uh, overall, though, this was a much more low-key week for NXT. Your reminder that, yeah, this is a developmental. Uh, with Booker away, Vic Joseph is joined by Byron Saxton this week. Oh, bringing back old NXT vibes now, boy Byron. And uh, Lyra versus Shotzi is a match which got set for next week. And also we got a, 
Uber Femi title defence uh, set up for as well, which we'll get to later. More, the Dunn is Dead production ideas. I've got a really good shot of fucking Phoenix Zara last week or the week before of with his dive. Like, they're trying stuff out. I'm really for using NXT to just throw out experimental like production ideas. Just try things out. Obviously, you can't do all of them. Like, the way that you filmed the crowd and stuff. Like, you, can, you can't try that in NXT because you haven't got the arena to do it in. But stuff like, we got with Joe Gacy this week, where... The camera gets turned upside down. I'm assuming it's the wheel, so you literally just hold it upside down. If they literally turned the camera upside down, <laughs> that'd be that'd be crazy. That's just unnecessary. There's a device, you attach it to a wheel, you turn it. <laughs> it's so much easier. And do we have the money just to buy one? <laughs> it's not that difficult. Uh, this week, uh, yeah, so Joe Gacy got that. And yeah, I'm all up for them trying out new shit like this on the regular. This specific one, when the camera turned upside down and we're watching Gacy walking along the roof of our television, it just gave me a headache. <laughs> and I've watched it on Twitter afterwards, I'll be it on my phone, be it on my computer. Like I've watched it afterwards and it gave me a headache each time I watched it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'm all for you trying the, all these different things. This one specific one gave me a headache, but don't let that, uh, don't let this dissuade you. Like I want you to keep doing this stuff. I, I want you to keep coming up with these ideas and do something different. Uh, anyway, Gacy was our first lad to face the newly a baddie, Carmelo Hayes. Uh, both lads are much stronger in, in their current roles to me. Like, Carmelo really gave to show off his ego as a heel. And heel Gacy was just a bit of a chore With the, whenever I tuned in to watch it. Because I wasn't massively watching NXT at that point. But it, maybe it's because his stable was also just not right. And there was a bit of a negative feeling towards the group, especially because what they did with the Grizzled Young Veterans, like they weren't right for that role. You had two guys who were magic at drawing heat on the mic and you turned them into almost like Gacy zombies. Like it, it didn't work. They weren't the right people for that role. And I don't think uh, Ava was right for the group either. It's just the role, the group didn't work. However, Gacy in his current like crazy babyface role or whatever he's in at the moment, like. For me, that works. <laughs> For the way that he wrestles and the way that he presents himself and carries himself and everything, I feel like that works. Like a WWE Janela light, like extremely light, <laughs> like uh, non-alcoholic, <laughs> non-alcoholic beverage. A uh, oh, you don't, you won't know about it in America, but if you go to somewhere like a convenience store, or whatever. And like little or whatever, they'll have like Polish brands of alcohol or German, or just random brands of alcohol you've never heard of, but they're a decent price. <laughs> so you get them, yeah. Basically, I'm saying that Joe Gacy is the Polish beer equivalent <laughs> of a Joey Dinner as a wrestler for WWE. <laughs> yeah, and anyway, uh, uh, Die Jack uh, diabolically dressing Gacy in a straitjacket. At least that's what the commentary said. They called him uh, diabolical Die Jack as he was dressing Gacy in a straitjacket. Uh, yeah, the crazy Gacy just laughing the whole time. And that's it. Uh, was that a straitjacket match? Is that what they're doing? I don't know. Have they got a straitjacket toy toy coming out? I don't know about. <laughs> Why are they doing this? I don't know. Um, maybe if it's just adding to the craziness of the Gacy character for me, all thumbs up. Also, I'm really enjoying Die Jack's work at the moment as well. Uh, maybe that's because. I follow him on Twitter, and he's very funny on Twitter. But the way that he's came out on the TV as well, it's just entertaining to watch at the moment. And this feud is silly fun. So yeah. Also, yeah, Kamara Hayes won the match. Let's not forget about that. Yeah, he gets his win, and he uh, then sets himself up for Trick as Trick starts to become a main player in NXT. Also, I saw a clip of uh, Samoa Joe beating lads up in 2021 in NXT. 
and just suddenly noticing that it's all of the current guys like Von Wagner, Von Breaker, Trick Williams, and like all of them are in, and the Creed Brothers, like they're all there in that little security guard group that Samara Joe beat up in 2021. So just a whole new next generation of NXT wrestlers that Samoa Joe has beaten up and in the future will want a match to get their revenge. <laughs> He's just constantly setting up stories like 10 years from now. <laughs> He's such a machine. Uh, also, big LOL to folks saying this mystery debuting person could be Okada. Like, yeah, only if you literally know nothing about the lad or nothing about wrestling outside of the WWE bubble. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> like, this absolutely screams slightly wacky way too dramatic over the top like, scripting you get for like an NXT talent or something brought in like a part of me doesn't even expect this to be a big name it could be a big swing at a gimmick but I don't I don't think this would be like a big name or anything if it is that would be a nice a nice surprise but it just screams closer to uh, uh, like uh, what was it was it Bo something I can't remember his name but where they did the whole uh, like triad kind of thing what was it was it bloody called I can't remember. Well, the, the amazing cartoon graphics for it. And it's kind of just died off or whatever. Anyway, my, my, I can't remember as what it was about. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, Oberfemi is still the man. Surprised more people don't have him on their like big future potential lists. Like, for me, the, like, the crowd are now barking with him. Like, yeah, it's one of those things where they're looking for the pauses in his speech to bark with him rather than actually listening to what he's saying. And I've always found those kind of crowd responses a bit of a... I've always found this uh, crowd response is kind of a bit of a issue because you're then you're then conditioning your crowd to not pay attention to what you're saying. It's like it's a it's a line that you dance with the LA night stuff. But what then was evident was when the other person talked, the crowd were reacting. So it's evident they were listening in the circumstances. Sometimes like, it's, it's dangerous to lean into it too hard because you don't want to condition the crowd to not listen to what you're saying and then just make a noise at the beat. This is another sign that the crowd have gotten behind Oberfemi so incredibly quickly. <laughs> like, another notch in his belt for like such a big talent that he's proven to be already. Uh, at the end of his uh, promo saying, send me anyone, but don't send me someone you want back. Out comes Lexis King. <laughs> Brilliant. His gimmick really is that he's just a bit shit. <laughs> a North America title on the line next week. And yes, when Oberfemi won the title, Alexis King did the whole interference on the previous champion, which let Oberfemi gain the momentum to then go and win. So this is like tying a little knot in that one. It's just a title match next week. It's not on a, not going to be able to a special for it or anything. It's going to bash it out next week. Absolutely fine. In tow with the women's match as well, with Lyra versus Shotzi. So you get a couple of title matches. You just blast through some stuff, move on to the next seg segments uh, for these characters. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. Just tying up both so everything's nice and neat before you then move on. Uh, so people are going, what about Lexis King? <laughs> like we all are. I know you are. When you watch NXT, you're like, yeah, but what is Lexis King doing at this moment when watching Keanu James of her match? Yeah, and I know, I know, she's talented, but what is Lexis King doing <laughs> right now? What What is he doing with his beard? I want to know. <laughs> I just need to know. Uh, anyway, that brings me to the end of this review. NXT was absolutely fine. Smackdown was a really good show with a lot of entertainment setting up. Uh, Monday Night Raw has got important moments in it, but overall isn't really that necessary to watch a lot of times. It kind of feels like if you miss a, war a week of Raw, it's absolutely fine. You can tune in the next week. Compared to Smackdown, where it feels like big things are happening. Uh, there's, there's, there are good things on Raw, but I wouldn't say it feels like ne super necessary viewing. It gets, it's got the nice character beats building up, and 
But I feel like what they're building up currently, once Elimination Chamber hits, that's going to... All the stuff they were setting up then becomes super relevant. So it's, again, it's like, eh, it's not the end of the world. Uh, anyway, with that, I say thank you for listening, liking, engaging in any form, any manner. Always appreciate it. Never take it for granted. I'll be back next week to talk about the WWE week that was. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. <laughs>